Senator Tillis, good morning. Thanks for the time. Good morning, Chris. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, Senator, it was announced last week and refined this weekend that you and your colleagues agreed on a continuing resolution that would fund the government through March. Are you pleased with that proposed legislation? Uh, really, uh, I hate continuing resolutions. Uh, most people have no idea how disruptive it is. You can't implement programs that ultimately save money. You continue programs that should be canceled. So anybody who thinks a CR is a good idea doesn't really know the uh, the finances of the government. And I tell you, the other thing that I've been pounding the drum on is the $34 trillion in debt. Now, to be fair, when we were doing COVID, we, we took on about 3 or $4 trillion in debt to keep the economy from completely collapsing. I think it was something that avoided far worse economic circumstances. We've got to get serious about the debt. You can only do that by doing regular order appropriations, not a CR. How do we get that done, Senator, and not continuing to have these CRs where we kick things down the road? Well, you know, Chris, I don't know if it's possible in the current political climate. Uh, we're in divided government. Uh, so the left and the right are going to be against any compromise that would lead to regular order appropriations. So, you know, we're giving... Uh, we, we've got uh, members who aren't willing to take the heat. I am, uh, because at the end of the day, if we're not moving forward, shutting down programs, if you take a look at what you can do with regular order appropriations and what you don't do with CRs, it's obvious, but it's hard to explain to the voters, the American people, and in a political cycle, most of the politicians are going to be cowards and not do the right thing, quite frankly. You mentioned the divisiveness in government. I'm curious from your perspective, do you feel like it's easier to accomplish legislation in the Senate right now than it is in the House? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's kind of like winning the semifinal and (laughs) uh, losing the finals. I mean, passing something out of one chamber for it to fail in the other one, uh, anybody that uh, gets excited about that as a success really probably hasn't done a whole lot in their political career so, you know, it's a matter of how do you how do you work on things where you can find common ground? I mean, like the border uh, border security uh, negotiations that James Lankford is leading now. We have to recognize that we could have another four million plus people come into this country this year if we do nothing. And we have the far left screaming because uh, Lankford is negotiating some good terms. You got the far right screaming because they want to say, well, Unless it's everything, sure, we want to let three or 400,000 more people come across the border every month. I think it's immoral for elected officials to cave to that pressure when you're seeing hundreds of thousands of people, including criminals and gang members, come across the border every day. Good morning, Senator Tillis. My name is John Champion. I wanted to ask you, should aid to Israel and Ukraine be tied to border security? Well, John, I think it happens that way. I mean, if you look at, just back to what Chris said, uh, if you want to move something out of one chamber, get it passed into the other, you have to put things into the mix. Nothing gets voted on in isolation here. So I think that the supplemental, if we're able, I've made it very clear, uh, I will not vote for Ukraine aid. I will not vote for Israel aid unless we have uh, reliable border, uh, border security in the bill. So I'm one that says, if you want Ukraine aid, which I generally support and Israel support, if you want it, you better come to the table, Democrats, and negotiate something that's going to stop the flow of the border. So I do think, John, it's just a consequence of of divided government uh, where you've got to have priorities from both chambers and both parties uh, to get something done. 
visiting with North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis. Uh, Senator, I want to talk about some legislation that you introduced uh, earlier this month, the Safe and Open Streets Act, a measure that would make it a federal crime to purposely obstruct, delay, or affect uh, commerce by blocking a public road or a highway. How much of this act stems from the protests we saw from pro-Palestinian protesters that blocked roads, including the Durham Freeway, in November? Well, it's very much a part of it. I mean, you, you start seeing trends. Think back a couple of years ago when, when we had Democrats saying the mostly peaceful protests in Kenosha when when buildings were being burned were okay. We've got to head that off. Because if you let somebody be successful in Durham, then it's going to happen in Charlotte. It's going to happen in Asheville. It's going to happen in Wilmington. It's already happening in New York and Chicago. Um, you have to shut it down. And, Chris, I had... Uh, Three Saturdays ago, I had Palestinian, pro-Palestinian protesters in my yard, in my neighborhood, and in an adjoining uh, a, a, a shopping center, I should say, about two miles away, dropping tens of thousands of leaflets. Um, these folks uh, have to understand, number one, start talking to me about helping the Palestinians just after you recognize Hamas like the United States has as a terrorist organization who raped, tortured, and murdered over a thousand people on October the seventh, but these same folks—they want to get a win in Durham. They want to say we shut down a road for three or four hours, and if you give them that win, they're going to go across this state and across this country, and we have to shut it down. Senator, critics of that legislation would say that this act maybe violates the protesters' right to free speech. What's your response to that? I don't think any speech has a right to put people's lives at risk, to shut down commerce, and to do what they did in Durham and other cities. If you want to stand on the side of the road and wave a flag, or if you want to do like thousands of people did when I was Speaker, come to the State House and protest peacefully without, and, uh, without actually denying people's right to free movement and safe movement on public highways, count me in. But you start laying on a road and you start shutting down bridges, you are putting people's lives at risk. And, and, and honestly, for people like me, you're making me less likely to listen to whatever it is you're protesting about. Not more. I do want to ask about the impeachment efforts that are moving through the House right now uh, of with President Biden and then the investigation of Homeland Security Alej- uh, Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, Mayorkas. What's your perspective on these hearings? Uh, look, I think any impeachment hearing that's treated seriously, that allows the uh, uh, whoever is being targeted for impeachment a right to counsel, in other words, ensuring due process, which is something the Democrats did not do with Donald J. Trump, then count me in. But I don't want impeachment for my party. Certainly the Democrats are already guilty of it. I don't want to start using it as just the sort of vote of no confidence. You're not going through due process. Let the Democrats be the ones who botched impeachment. Let's not do it ourselves. But you get, you do your homework, you bring forward witnesses, you produce evidence, you give me things that I can then vote on as a U.S. senator, count me in. But do the homework. Don't start using it as a political tool. We are so divided right now in, in, in this country. And, and, uh, and, and the issues are being pushed to the wayside for a quick soundbite on television or on radio. That's got to end. And let Republicans be the adults in the room, and then, then we can let the, the liberals just continue to whine. Senator, do you see a scenario where the Senate would convict in either of these cases? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, but, but if uh, – John, that's John, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. If, if John, if it's – uh, it, but, but if you go back to impeachments before the two against President Trump, 
It was very thoughtful. It took months. You had testimony. You had evidence. You had the person who was the target of the impeachment have the right to counsel. Very different than what I have seen so far. And hopefully it's just the, in, the, in the beginning stages and they'll get to that. But let, like I said, let's be the adults in the room. There's a lot of childish behavior out there right now. And I really think that the American people are going to respond to those who have a steady hand, who are fair, and who honor the tradition, in this case, of impeachment, which is not a snap impeachment. It doesn't happen over a week or so. It takes a lot of work to have something rise to a level that I, as a U.S. senator, have to consider and ultimately vote on. Senator, you announced the Constitutional Election Integrity Act last week that would prevent state politicians like the Secretary of State in Maine or the Supreme Court of Colorado from disqualifying presidential candidates from the ballot on constitutional matters. Uh, Do you believe those matters should be decided by the Supreme Court? I do. I do. It's a constitutional question. And and if you look at the, the elections officials across states, In Maine, it is a patently political position. The Secretary of State in Maine is appointed by the legislature, which is majority Democrat. So she decides to to say that the president is uh, guilty of insurrection and isn't qualified on the ballot. Well, you know, if if they're going to make that decision, what we want to do is move it very quickly to the Supreme Court so the Supreme Court can make the final decision on it. And I think they'll expedite it. They'll get it done. Colorado is not going to succeed in in the way that they did it. Maine's not going to succeed. Again, let's just get this stuff out of there. The the Democrats are too cute by half on this stuff. They need to end it. We did see the Iowa caucus last night, the New Hampshire primary senator coming up next week. Uh, Would you be comfortable with Donald Trump being president again? Uh, You know, Donald Trump policy um, worked well for us. I mean, honestly, thank goodness that we have the economy that Trump uh, in co- cooperation with the, the Congress, keep in mind the Jobs and Tax Cuts Act was passed by Congress before the president signed it. And thank goodness that happened because our economy was going so well, it took some of the edge off of COVID. So the president's policies are something that I have generally supported, save a few uh, examples. And I still continue the right to disagree, even with my president, if it's President Trump. But my God, we cannot afford another four years under Joe Biden. The world has gone crazy. The economy's in the tank. Working families can't even pay the bills anymore. They're choosing between paying their electric and paying for food. And all that happened under President Biden. He has a horrible case to bring to the American people. So if you're asking me if the choice is between Trump and Biden, it's not even close. Senator, your office assisted more than 13,000 North Carolinian constituents last year. How important is that aspect of your role as a senator to help the people that you serve? I tell you, Chris, if I didn't have casework and the endless stories about how we've helped people, I don't know if I could do this job. I mean, it really recharges my battery to see families, people who are overwhelmed by the federal government, trying to get their IRS uh, payment back, their their tax refund back, trying to get loved ones back into the country, uh, veterans who have been seeking benefits for decades. My my. My team that works on casework, and they're helped by the D.C. folks, but a lot of it's done in the state, is the best on Capitol Hill, and it's just wonderful. It, they, they really are. They get a lot of credit for making me feel 
making me be able to deal with all the other trappings of this job that I don't like particularly well, but I love the casework, and I'm very proud of what they do, and I very seldom have to get involved. They're so good at what they do. Senator, I want to let you go with, with this thought. Last month announced a $3.5 million grant for new rail routes and improvements across North Carolina. Uh, can you speak to what this means for the rail industry and the people of North Carolina? Well, I think for uh, the people in North Carolina, you know, back a couple of years ago when I helped lead the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill, but was a part of the negotiations, we had people in North Carolina saying it was fake infrastructure. Uh, You take a look at the now billions with a B of dollars that are coming to North Carolina and real infrastructure. I'm very proud of that vote, and I'm particularly happy with all the good work it's doing for roads and bridges. A lot of those politicians who said it was fake infrastructure are going to be riding across those highways, those roads and bridges to get to political events between now and November, and I'll keep reminding them of it. Senator Tom Tillis joining us this morning. Senator, thank you so much for the time. We'd love to have you back again to talk real soon. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year.